Amen. That's right. Hey, we are in a new study entitled the book of James. That's right. What's the tagline there? How to spot a phony Christian. Huh? Isn't that exciting? And, and so believe it or not, before we even get into the actual book of James, I have to do a prelude. And that's what today is. And the reason why is because, wait a second, you mean to tell me, is that real? Is that really what the book of James is all about? How to spot a phony Christian? Mm -hmm. In fact, the book of James is not the only book in the Bible that deals with this. If you read the Bible, which I highly recommend, (laughs) you're going to see this is all over the place. In fact, it's not only reality after the birth of the church, it still continues on up today. In fact, if you were to ask me why the church today is so powerless, prayerless, ineffective, worldly, ungodly, sinful, and anemic, it's because of this issue. Listen, it's gotten so bad, and we have not held the biblical standard for true biblical Christianity that the church, listen, is now infiltrated with phony Christians who are now running the church. It's that bad today, folks. Okay, and, and, and that's what we're going to begin the study on. So God doesn't just tell us this would happen. He tells us how to spot them so we can deal with it. Okay, which includes witnessing to these people. Okay, and again, to me, the most obvious example of somebody who was a faker right there in the midst was Judas. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Did he fool Jesus? <laughs> Absolutely not. We see that very clearly. Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. Is our opening text, John chapter 6. Okay, who was Judas, and uh, did, uh, did he pull uh, one over on God? I don't think so, but let's go ahead and stand. John chapter 6, verse 60 through 71 is our context here. And this is the point when many, quote, disciples desert uh, Jesus. Well, then were you really real in the first place? Right, if you walk away, we'll see that in again in a second. But here it is, John chapter 6, verse 60 says this. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And where that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus says to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who what? Who do not believe. For Jesus had known how long? From the very beginning. Hello, he's God. Right? You can't fool him. He knew from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And so Jesus asked the 12, he says, well, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon, Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You got the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the 12? Yet one of you is a what? A devil right there in the midst. And he met who? Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, though one of the 12 was later to what? Betray him. You may be seated if you can there. So Jesus, basically in a nutshell, tells us, folks, that not everyone who claims to be a disciple of Christ really is one, right? How many of you guys learned that after you got saved? How many of you guys were in the predicament that I was in? I was a greenhorn. I didn't know any better. I wasn't raised in the church. After I got saved, what do you do? You go to church services. That's what you're supposed to do. And I did, right? And so I got there, and after a while, I just thought, hey, everybody that's here is a born-again Christian, right? Just like me, they got saved radically. God filled them with their spirit, which happens at the moment of salvation. And you love Jesus, and you're in this word, and you're praying, you're witnessing, and, and you're around like-minded people, you're fellowshipping, everybody's godly. And <laughs> How long did it take before you go like, what is going on here? You accidentally sat in that person's pew, which apparently you didn't know because there was no name plaque on there, but they let you know. <laughs> you're out in the parking lot. People are cursing. <laughs> in the hallways, gossiping, whatever, talking, smacking. I don't know if it happened to you, but for me, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? And then I'm like, oh, uh, uh, you're, you're in this quandary. You feel like you got to somehow defend that behavior because they're Christians. They go to church. And then when I finally came across this category in the scripture, I'm going like, ah, ha, 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 One, you never defend sin. And Christians, we can sin. But maybe the reason why these people were sinning and acting like the world is because they still belong to the world. They were fakers just like Judas, right there in the midst, right? In fact, this is why I believe the American church, and frankly, dare I say, the church all over the world is so messed up. Why is the apostasy in our day in such a high gear? It's because we are not holding the biblical standard as Christians, okay? And now these people, I'm telling you, you're going to see this today. These people are now not just in the pews. They're in leadership positions, and they are controlling the church. They're fakers. That's why it's so messed up, okay? In fact, again, let me just give you some other examples of fakers in the midst, and it's dangerous. It will destroy your church, right? 
Uh, first of all, phony Christians, they're called false brothers in the Bible, right? In fact, it's the Greek word pseudo-false, autophos, brother, false brother. And that's one who in a what? Showy way professes to be a Christian, but is destitute of Christian piety or knowledge. And if it's not just a verb or a word that's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. This is some of the things that Paul and the early church had to deal with. Galatians 2.4, this matter arose because some what? False, what's a false brother? That's a faker. Where's this at? It's in the church. A false brother had what? Infiltrated our ranks, the church. Why? To spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus to make us slaves, to bring in false teaching. No, you need something else other than Jesus. He was a faker the whole time. Another one, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty six. I have been, listen to what Paul, here's a lot of stuff he had to deal with. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger of the country, in danger of the sea, in danger from who? False brothers, fake Christian who gave Paul hassle for preaching the truth. That doesn't happen today, does it? Yeah, all over the place. False leaders. Again, it's not just folks sitting in the pew, if you will. It's even behind the pulpit, leading worship. Church boards, this is all over the place. False leaders. Matthew 7, 15, 16, Jesus warned about this. Watch out for what? False, pseudo, fake, what? Prophets. God told me to tell you I get a word. That don't make you no Christian, right? He says they come to you and what? They look like they're real. But how do you know? Over time, you're going to what? You're going to see how fake they are because inwardly, they're actually ferocious wolves. And by their fruit, you will recognize them. That's from Jesus. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such men are what? False apostles. Man, they're at the top of the leadership. Surely they're saved. Really? Deceitful workmen masquerading. They're faking it as apostles of Christ. And where's all this coming from? It's an attack from Satan to pollute the church with fakers right after the church was born. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen through 15. And no wonder for Satan himself, what? Masquerades as an angel of light. And so it's not surprising that if his servants, these fakers, masquerade as servants of righteousness, their end will be what their actions deserve. In other words, you're in a heap of trouble with judgment day. Even though you were right there in the midst, you didn't fool God. (laughs) He saw you and he knows who you're working with. You're infiltrating the church, trying to destroy it, whether you even realize it or not. But Satan's using you as a puppet. Now, again, the good news is God doesn't just tell us this is a reality back then and that it's going to happen again in the future, which is our time. But he is so cool. He tells us exactly how to spot them. Now, again, this is what the book of James really is all about. Okay, but let me tell you, it's all of the scripture. Right? Let me give you a couple ways the Bible says you can spot these fakers in the midst. Right, And the first one is if they only seek God with their head. Now, this is a, a fast forward to James chapter 2, which we'll eventually get to 1,400 years from now, Lord willing, uh, but uh, if we're still alive, still here. But this is what he says, head knowledge. Really? That, that's, that's, no, if that's all you got, you're in a heap of trouble. Right? James chapter 2, 14 through 17 and 19. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he's got what? No deeds. Now, he's not saying you're saved by your deeds. What he's going to say is, he said, if you have a true faith, not a dead faith, it issues inappropriate behavior. Works don't get, you know, it's faith first, but true faith demonstrates with a changed life. Anybody change after you got saved? Right? Anybody still sin after you got saved? Right? Okay, yeah, but we're not saved by our works. But guess what? You do change. You know why? Because you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit who begins to Convict you anytime you're going down an unholy route, which means you can't have the same relationship with sin. I'm not saying you won't sin, but you're not comfortable with it anymore. So if all you got is just head knowledge and nothing's changing, something's wrong. I didn't say it. God did. Can, can such a faith as that, can it save him? The, this dead faith? He says, suppose a brother, sister, without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you will. Keep on well fed. But you do nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? What kind of Christianity is that? Right? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, you're what? It's what? It's dead. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. Last time I checked, demons aren't saved. So what's he saying here? What's he saying here? I mean, really think about this. If all you do is give a mental assent that God exists, whip de doo dah You're no better off than the demons. They know he exists. In fact, when Jesus was walking around, you read the Gospels, the demons knew who he was. We know who you are, the Holy One of God. <laughs> well, okay, I got, they got saved. They believe in God. No. So, but how many people do you know? That's all it is. It's just, hey, I believe in God. Back off. I'm fine. You know, don't get all wacky on me, you wacko Christian. I'll show up Christmas and Easter. I believe in God. Okay. 
And you know what's crazy? That's such a common scenario. We make jokes about that, like this one. There's these three churches, right, in the country, in a small Texas town, long way away from here. And, and they were overrun by these pesky squirrels. Yeah, that's a big problem. So the first church, they called a meeting to decide what to do about these squirrels. And so after much prayer and consideration, they determined the squirrels were predestined to be there, and they shouldn't interfere in God's divine will. The second church, uh, they got together. They decided they weren't in a position to harm any of God's creations, so they naturally, uh, humanely trapped the squirrels and then set them free a few miles outside of town. But three days later, the squirrels were back. It was only the third church, Sunrise Bible Church. That's right, Bob, Sunrise Bible Church. They came up with the right solution. Here's what they did. They decided that they would baptize the squirrels and register them as members of the church. Why? Because now they only see them at Christmas and Easter. And see, we laugh at that because why? It's so stinking true. Now, here's what's sad. Really? You say you believe in God. You say you're a Christian. But man, you don't get involved. You have no business and you just punch in your religious time clock. You just give a mental assent twice a year. And Really? Uh, this is why I have what I used to have, what was called the 50-50 rule. Whether I pastored in California, New York, and now here in Vegas for 10 plus years. But I always went into it with both eyes open with this biblical reality of fakers in our midst that I probably figured in the beginning, hopefully over time as God's word is preached, it gets better. But I figured that Half the congregation in the beginning was not even saved. I don't care if I did for 40 years or held for 900. I was there with no on the floor. I don't care how long you've been coming. Half of them weren't saved. Now, I'll, when I was uh, pastoring New York, I'll never forget, I read the biography of D. James Kennedy. Remember him? And his rule, you know what his percentage was of fakers in the church? Had even more years of ministry experience than me at that time? He said it was 80% were fakers. You know why? He said it's because of the... 2080 rule, where 20% of the people do 100% of the work, where 80% of the people do nothing. He said the reason why they do nothing, in his opinion, they're not saved. Because how can you be saved, true born-again Christian, and dwell with the Holy Spirit of God, and you do nothing for Christ? You have no desire. You're just one of those squirrely Christians. Twice a year, I'm good to go. He said that's why. But folks, this is a reality that I really believe is happening in the church in mass. There's a lot of people that, uh, oh, I, I believe the right stuff. Just because you give a mental assent, just because you could take a, quote, biblical test, that doesn't save you. Even this guy knows that. Let's take a look at this. I think that if you're a true Christian, you don't consider Christianity just a part of your life. It is your life. And if you follow the teachings of the Bible, specifically uh, Mark 16, 15, which says, go out into the world and preach the good news to all creation, then uh, you have an obligation to share that faith with others. If you saw a building on fire and you knew there were people in it, and you knew that you were capable of running in there and saving someone who wouldn't be able to help themselves, if you knew that you could help them, would you just stand there and do nothing? And unfortunately, by not clearly seeing the issue, I think that's what a lot of Christians do, is they just stand there. I think, by and large, most of it is that most Christians are not really well-educated as to their own religion's position on various issues. They consider worshiping Jesus to be part of their lives, but not their primary purpose. And I believe that true Christianity considers it to be the primary purpose. And if you're a true Christian, you believe that those who are not Christians, those who have not followed the teachings of the Bible, uh, that have not accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, those people aren't going to heaven. They're going to hell. Hell's not a fun place. I have heard Christians, definitely, uh, that have the view that everyone is entitled to their own belief. And that's not necessarily a bad position to have, but if you believe that what they believe is going to earn them a place in eternal suffering, then there's a problem with that, in that you're allowing them to be tortured for eternity, while at the same time believing that you shouldn't save them from that. It's, it's very awkward. If you really believe that uh, people who are not Christians are going to hell, then that is a, a very serious consequence. And if you don't take that seriously, I think that you might be compromising your own belief system.
those who do take their faith seriously, they need to encourage or teach those who might not how important that is. Sometimes I think Christians are afraid of being labeled as a Bible thumper or uh, to have uh, negative connotations associated with them. But that's not necessarily negative if you're a Christian. I think it's something to be proud of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Christian about the Bible or being a Bible thumper. It's something to be proud of. It's something that you take seriously. And it's something that you should encourage others to take seriously as well. And it might require you to challenge yourself to, you know, stand up in front of crowds, to talk to people that you don't know. Missionaries work in places uh, where the predominant religion is not Christianity. And that's a completely different scenario uh, than, you know, in most parts of the United States. But they, they take it in stride, they accept it, and they move on. You shouldn't take rejection personally, but consider it uh, that you gave them a fighting chance. Give them a fighting chance at heaven, uh, even, if, even if you do have to uh, risk offending someone or risk a friendship. Uh, it's a simple matter of weighing priorities. If I were a Christian, of course I would take the Bible seriously. I respect people who take their beliefs seriously. And I would take the Bible's teachings seriously. Among those teachings is the idea that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And those that accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior go to heaven. Those that don't go to hell. And the implications of that are very far-reaching. And you're an atheist? Yes, I sure am. That guy knows more doctrine than some so-called Christians I know. But what does it tell you, what James warned about? If all you got is just a head knowledge, but you don't have a heart knowledge, how do I know? Because if there's no change in your life, and it doesn't issue in a changed life, not saying perfect, we're not saved by our works, but man, there's some, nothing's changed, and it's just, I believe in God. You might be a Judas Iscariot right there in the midst. He knew more knowledge about the Bible than some people I've served on church boards with. This is nuts, folks. But I'm telling you, this is going on in the church in mass. But that's the first way that you can spot them. The second way is they seek God only with their thoughts. It's their version of Christianity, right? Hey, whatever you believe is true to you, whatever you believe. No, this is what determines the truth. And if you walk away from this truth, guess what? You are a faker the whole time. Now, I didn't say that. John did. Watch this. 1 John uh, 2, 18 through 19 says this, Dear children, this is the last hour, and you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. In fact, even now, many Antichrists or opposers of Christ have come. And this is how we know it's the last hour. They what? They went out from us, but they what? They did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that how many? None of them belong to us. Now, I love this passage of Scripture, especially for those that want to say that you can lose your salvation. No, you can't. The Bible's very clear about that. If you're born again Christian, praise God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's by what? By faith, by God's grace, through faith. That's how we're saved, right? The Bible's very clear about that, okay? But here's the point. He tells you right here, okay, that if you walked away from Jesus Christ, what was it? You lost your salvation? No. You weren't saved in the first place. And again, this is what these people say invariably that say you lose your salvation. Oh, yeah, but I know of a guy who knew of a guy who knew this one guy one time with this guy, was doing this thing with this guy. And what he did was he walked the aisle one time, and man, for a whole year or six months, six hours, six days, whatever, 10 years, man, he was serving in the church. Man, nobody could stack chairs like that guy. He even got on the deacon board. He even elded. Like he got behind the pulpit and preached once in a while. That guy, and then he walked away, became an atheist, a Mormon, a New Age ago. He lost his salvation. No. You, it took a while. You didn't fool God. He saw it the whole time. You can fool the church, but you can't fool him. But when you walked away, you showed that you were a faker the whole time. And can I tell you something, folks? That is happening in mass. Not everyone who goes to a church service really belongs to the church. If you walk away from even the basic truth that Jesus Christ is the only way, because in your politically correct world, uh, surely uh, other religion, you're not saved, right? You're calling Jesus Christ a liar. 
right? Here's what Jesus said. I'm not making this up. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am what? The way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's it. He noticed the article there. It's not a way, a truth, a life. You make it up as A wants to. No, he's it. The way, the truth, the life. And that doesn't exclude it. Guess what? Nobody. How many is that? Everybody. Nobody gets to the Father except through who? Jesus. That's it. So if you sit there and say, I'm a Christian, whatever, and, and maybe you said you believe that, but then, then in your politically correct world, I mean, haven't you seen social media? I mean, haven't you been educated in the secular school system? And, and haven't you watched the news? And haven't you listened to popular polls? Why, surely there's more ways to heaven than just one. What are you, a bigot? How many people do you know like that? Now, here's what's concerning. These people are in the church today in mass. They profess to know Christ, but they've walked away. Let's start off with this guy. Is he a Christian? Let's take a look at this first evidence here uh, with this guy. Let's take a look. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right. But this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hailed out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together. And show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God has been good. Steve Harvey back in the day. I mean, after something like that, I mean, come on, surely that guy's a Christian. What was the Greek word? Pseudo-autophos. Not just a false brother, but one who in a showy way professes to be a Christian. What's the phrase? It's not just important how you begin. It's important how you finish. And Paul, at the end of his life, what did he say? I finished the race. This guy is off track. Now listen to what he's saying today. Watch this. 
Today, I want to tell you about a guy. You may know him for his comedy. You may know him for his mustache. But today, I want you to know him for his religion. Hey, I'm Steve Harvey, stand-up comedian, entertainer, television host, family man. But most importantly, I happen to be a man of faith. Steve is a very successful guy. He has made more money than he ever thought. He has become more famous than he ever thought. But at the same time, he managed to keep his relationship with God closer than ever. See, oftentimes, people who are religious think their religion is right and everybody else is wrong. There is only one way to God. But Steve's faith is unique because it's really not about that. There's no one, one way to heaven, no one way to paradise. It's like television. Now it's over 800 channels of cable and they're all pretty entertaining. So I'm pretty sure, man, that to get to heaven, there's gotta be more than one route. This isn't just talk. Steve lives by these words. He has three sons. Two of them, he gave them Christian names like Broderick, and one of them he gave a Muslim name, Ali, as a sign of respect and appreciation for the Muslim religion and the Muslim culture. Well, Mr. Boat's right. There you have it. Unfortunately, Steve Harvey, he lost his salvation. What's the Bible say? It took a while. Oh, you may have fooled us, but you never fooled God. But eventually it came out. You went out from us and began following that lie that there's many paths to heaven calling Jesus a liar. Because you know what? You were a faker the whole time. I didn't say that God did. And if you take a look at the people that he's been hanging around with, including Oprah Wan Kenobi, <laughs> it's not a surprise that he ended up in that lie because she's been promoting that lie that there are many paths to heaven for a long time. Watch this. A panel has been discussing the spirituality and the forces of God, but I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us, that we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on, but there's also a power of darkness that we do need to be aware of. And, and that's you, where the choice is. Do you begin. believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, now Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other, that all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks, it, which, which is, anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway, <laughs> uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world that there are millions of ways to be a then human how do being you please and, God? and many ways no but many paths many to what you call God that and her crazy. path might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light but her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her if it brings her to the same point that it brings you it doesn't matter whether she called it god along the way or not and i guess the danger that could be on that i mean it it sounds great on the onset but if you really look at both sides I there could couldn't possibly be just one way what what about jesus what about jesus there isn't only one way. There is one way and only one way, and there that is through Jesus. There couldn't possibly be with because the millions you of people say in the there world. Isn't. There couldn't possibly be. Because you say, you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If no. you don't believe that, you're all buying into the lie. And what's the lie? You say you're a Christian, but you walk away from the basic Christian truth, Jesus is the only way. You showed that you're a faker the whole time. Now, it isn't just Steve Harvey, the entertainment world, and Oprah Wan Kenobi and her crowd. She's the biggest New Age priestess on the planet. And dare I say, Christians, shut that filth off. You want to have a fight? Tell Christian ladies to shut Oprah off. That's a sewer pipe. Get back in the word. But folks, I'm telling you, this mentality is all over the church, which means 
Think about how many of these people are sitting right next to you. And I quote, 25% believe that it doesn't matter what faith you follow, all paths lead to heaven. That's from professing Christians. That's one-fourth. But see, that was an old stat. And it was that stat that we began 8,000 years ago, our study called World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. And we're still in it. Why? To dispel this lie that they're all the same. They all get to heaven. None of them agree with each other. And only Christianity has a cross of Jesus Christ. All other religions say you are God. You've got to become God. You've got to work your way to God. Only Christianity says, no, you're not God. You'll never be God. And God's passed judgment on you. You're doomed. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You're headed straight for hell, but God sent his one and only son to rescue you and take the death penalty in your place on the cross. So you can't say they're all the same. That's why we begin that study with that stat. Listen, just last year, the stat rose from 25% to, quote, 51% believe that God accepts the worship of all religions from the, quote, so-called evangelical church. Not the lost, not the world, the church. And this week, this week, while I'm doing my research, now it's this. Nearly 70%, this is the headline, nearly 70% of born-again Christians say other religions can lead to heaven. Now, if that were across the board, that means 70% of people who profess to be Christians going to church services across our nation, if you believe that, that's how many have infiltrated the church. As we're going to see, even behind the pulpit, which leads to this one. The third sign is they seek God only with their religion, right? I like this Christian moral thing. Eh, not for me. But, you know, it keeps my kids out of trouble. How many people do you know like that? Right? They're all over the place, unfortunately, on top of the other two we just saw. Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said, these people are in for the ultimate rude awakening on Judgment Day. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In fact, many, not a few, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I mean, did we not believe in the cross of Jesus Christ, that it was his work and his work alone that got us there by faith through grace, that, that we're saved not of works, lest anyone should boast. And we believe that you are the son of God, that God raised you from the grave. We believe that, that that's what we're trying. What are we doing here? Because that's, that's not what they said. What do they appeal to? Religious works. And every one of these mentioned here can be counterfeited. Didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And what should Jesus say? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Notice he said the people that do this, oh, you lost your salvation. I knew you once, but then I, you were fake the whole time. I never knew you in the whole time, right? In other words, I mean, he knows who's saved and who's not, but you're fake. You were fake the whole time. Why? Because you, listen, and how many people do you know like this? They think that the Christian faith is based on pious religious deeds instead of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that starts the moment you believe by faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. There's a ton of people out there like that, folks. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, really belongs to the Lord. It's a whole other category that he's talking about, okay? And people, they just they feel like, well, that's what I need to do. I need to go to a church service and, and, and do some religious deeds once in a while, right? But I'm not going to get serious about that. Right? I'll show up when I need to, whatever, but you know, don't expect me to get serious. I mean, I mean, come on. It's like this guy. There's this uh, new minister in a small Oklahoma town. He spent the first four days desperately calling on the church membership to, and, and begged them literally to come to his first services. Right? He's a brand new pastor, and none of them would come. So he decided to place a notice in the local newspaper stating that the church was dead, and it was his duty to give it a decent Christian burial the following Sunday. Well, that, of course, got the curiosity going in the whole town, right? And uh, so everybody turned up that next Sunday to see what was going on there. And when they got there, watch this. This guy is cool. I love this guy. He put a coffin smothered in flowers right in front of the pulpit. And, and after the minister read the obituary to the church and delivered the eulogy, he invited the congregation to step forward and pay their respects to the dearly departed. So obviously, without a moment's notice, everybody makes a big old line, man. They can't wait to see what in the world's going on with that coffin. And the strange thing is, once they got to the coffin, every single one of them, single file, one by one, they look in it, ah, and then they turn and walk away. Because the young minister had placed a large mirror inside that coffin, <laughs> and so everybody saw themselves. This dead church faith syndrome, folks, I am telling you, is all over the place. Something's wrong if you've got to have your arm twisted to give up your time, treasure, talents, and tongue for God. Maybe it's because you have a 
religion with God, not a relationship. We're not saved by our works, man. Of course not. That's heresy. But when you're born again and you're truly grateful for Jesus and his work on the cross, saving you from eternal damnation to hell, the common sense thing is like, man, can I do something? You want to serve Christ. And if you can't ever seem to get motivated to come hear the word of God like those folks, then maybe one day you'll hear from God, away from me, you evildoer. I never knew you. You worship me with your religion and your pious religious deeds you did once in a while when it worked out with your calendar. But you never acknowledge my son Jesus Christ as the only way, my, the savior of the world who died on the cross for your sins. In fact, it gets even worse. These people, they'll be in our midst and they'll admit that the only reason why they're there, they have no, no bones and no intentions ever of becoming a Christian. They're only there because they want to raise their kids in a moral atmosphere so they don't go to jail and get involved in sex and drugs. You don't believe me? They're everywhere. Here's one guy who's honest enough to admit it. His name's Larry. Watch this. I would really call myself an agnostic. Um, I live my life the way I believe it should be lived, which is, as I said, very much uh, along Christian value lines. But, yeah, I, I just don't. I'm not convinced, and quite frankly, I don't, uh, you know, I don't worry about it. I don't really care. I go to a church, I support the church and everything else, and, you know, I'm very much in favor of it. You know, I believe in strong morals that, uh, you know, I have strong family values, and I want to bring them up in my children. Uh, I also have a belief that, you know, my views are my views, and other people believe what they want to believe, and I don't want to get in arguments or try to convince them otherwise. Logically, intellectually, I have a hard time grasping that Christianity is necessarily right. I mean, why, I mean, take Judaism, for example, why isn't that just another mythology? Why isn't that, I mean, the Romans had mythology, Greeks had mythology, so, you know, why isn't Christianity just another mythology? I mean, you look at Jesus Christ and you say, had to be a phenomenal human being, a phenomenal leader. He was able to, you know, call himself the Son of God, have a bunch of disciples, and get a lot of people to believe that he was the Son of God and to reaffirm their belief in God. And that then evolved historically into a, a great religion. My view of the uh, afterlife is there is none. Life ends um, when you die. And uh, you didn't exist beforehand and you will not exist afterwards. Where's Larry? Wait a second. He was dressed in nice clothes. He even knew when to stand up and sit down. He's, he's, he, he passed the plate. He said he supported the church. I'm telling you, this is all. I don't have time to give you. I could, we could be here for, you guys want to be here till 5 o'clock? I'll just give you two quick stories, and we've got to move on. One guy eventually admitted that he was a flat-out atheist, constantly mocked the Scripture, and yet he was being allowed by that church to run a major ministry. But they were more concerned about having somebody run that so-called ministry than calling that guy out on the carpet. Another one, this was sick. This guy was looked upon as a pillar of the church because he gave a lot of money to the church. And you can't challenge those folks, can you? You better, better decide who you're going to worship, God or money. And... He came out and not only admitted to me, to my face, that he wants abortion to be legal. But he had a grandson who had Down syndrome. And he said he wishes he was aborted in the church. We could be here all day, folks. There's Larry's all over the place. It's, you wonder why things are so messed up? We're not holding the biblical standard. In fact, these Larrys have gone from the pews to the pulpit. Let me give you just a couple quick examples. Again, we could be here for days. Wes, he's a Methodist. He lost confidence in the Bible while attending a liberal Christian college and seminary. He says, I went to college thinking that Adam and Eve were real people. <laughs> now he no longer believes that God exists. His church members do not know that he's a what? Atheist. In other words, he's lying to them behind the pulpit. 
But he explains that they're you know, somewhat liberal themselves, and his colleagues are even more liberal. Listen, they do not believe Jesus rose from the dead, literally. They don't believe Jesus was born a virgin. They don't believe all those things that would cause a big stir in the churches behind the pulpit. Rick, he's a campus minister for United Church of Christ. He was an agnostic in college and then lost all belief by the time he graduated from seminary. He chose ordination in UCC because it required no forced doctrine. Wow. Uh, even though as he graduated from seminary, he says, quote, I knew I wasn't going to make it in the conventional church. He, he couldn't go in there and teach his own theological views, which is basically no theology. Uh, he, he doesn't believe in all this creedal stuff about the incarnation of Christ, the need for salvation. And he remained in ministry because these are my people. This is the context in which I work. They're the people that I know. In the pulpit, his mode is to listen, talk as if he does believe. Because listen, as long as you're talking about God and Jesus in the Bible, that's what they want to hear. Besides, language is ambiguous and can be heard in different ways. He's making it up. Fool in the congregation. Oh, he's not the only one. Daryl, he's a Presbyterian. He's a progressively minded pastor who wants to see his kind of, quote, non-doctrinal Christianity given validity. He acknowledges he's more of a pantheist that all is God than a theist. He thinks that many of the more educated members of his church are, have the same liberal beliefs as his own. The beliefs or unbeliefs are stated clearly. They reject the virgin birth. I reject, he says, a substitutionary atonement. I reject the divinity of Jesus. I reject heaven and hell in the traditional sense, and I'm not alone. Well, guess what? You're not saved. Behind the pulpit. That's how bad it is. Daryl, he's a he uh, says there, he, he, the only reason why he's still doing the, the game, faking it, is for financial reasons. He says, it's how I provide for my family. And he, he espouses, quote, I may be burning bridges uh, in terms of my ability to earn a living this way. So he keeps it a secret that he's a faker, just like Judas about the money. Adam, uh, Church of Christ, years of ministry, he lost all theological confidence. He moved into full atheist mode. He continues to lead his church in worship. How? Listen, here's how he's doing it. He's faking it. Here's how I'm handling my job on Sunday mornings. I see it as play acting. I see myself as ta- taking the role, the role of a believer in a worship service, performing. This atheist agnostic says uh, he's in ministry because, again, I need the job still. Uh, but if he had an alternative source of income, he would take it. He feels hypocritical, but no longer believes that hypocrisy is wrong. I'll give you one more. John, Southern Baptist guy. He primarily served as a worship leader, but he was attracted to Christianity as a religion of love. But his pursuit of Christianity, quote, brought me to the point of not believing in God. He says, I didn't plan on becoming an atheist. I didn't even want to become an atheist. I just had no choice, if I'm being honest with myself. Well, he's not being honest with the church because he rejects all belief in God, all Christian truth claims outright. He's a determined atheist. And once again, he puts a price on it. He said, if somebody says, hey, here's $200,000, I'd turn in my notice this week because I could pay off everything. Larry's are everywhere. Now they're behind the pulpit. Now they're leading. Are you starting to understand why the church is so messed up? Do you understand why we're in what we keep saying? Man, we must be in the apostasy that the Bible said. This is why. Because non-Christians are running the show. I like what uh, Gilbert Tinney, he said this back in 1739. This has been a reality, unfortunately, in the church for a long time, folks. He said this about these fakers. He said, listen, if they will not remove themselves from the ministry, they must be removed. If they lack integrity to resign their pulpits, the churches must muster the integrity to eject them. Why? Because they're apostates. And they will destroy the church. God doesn't just tell us how to spot them. He tells us what to do, how to deal with them. If you don't get saved, get out of here. And if you're behind the pulpit and you're an atheist, you're fired. And I'll pray that you get saved. You don't let it continue. I had one guy, I kid you not, to my face, and this was in church leadership. He said, Pastor Billy, if you keep doing this, we ain't going to have enough people to staff the church. I am not joking. I said, I didn't put yourself into this mess. You did. I said, I don't know who dropped the baton here in the history of this place, but somebody stopped holding the biblical line. And you wonder why this church is about ready to go belly up because you're trying to build it around sin. And God will never bless that. You know what's crazy? It's called what's called McChurch. Tell me how many churches today that this is the reality. One guy says this. He says, our culture demands convenience Christianity. We want it short. We want it simple. We want it fast and cheap. You know, McChurch. And the McBible, it doesn't have the tedious 66 books, you know, but just a few short sentences and simple words at a fifth grade level. And and the McWorship is all sweetness and love and nothing offensive. And the McSermon is easily digested with a minimum amount of nutrition and a maximum amount of fat. 
And each prayer is centered on temporal material things to keep the mind from wandering off to the spiritual. You know, that's elusive for the modern American. And, and to keep kids awake, we got the McHymns that are hip-hop style. And we got McMarriages, too, in this, this uh, McChurch, performed by folk who, who, who like quick relationships and throwaway vows. That's a big feature. And, and the McPastor, <laughs> he's a touchy-feely guy who's majored in pop psychology with an in-depth understanding of your every felt need. Learn to be a better you. And McSins... <laughs> They're called boo-boos. Yeah, boo-boos. And they're easily forgiven with fast prayers. And of course, they're soon repeated, but nobody takes that seriously. And, and, and you eliminate all the negative. You dwell only on the positive. And, and the youth program, it's short on Bible study, long on fun and games. It's designed to give kids what they want so their parents can go out and have fun in evenings without worrying their kids getting involved in drugs and sex. And, and, and mixed salvation, <laughs> it doesn't have any of this deep doctrine of substitutionary atonement or regeneration, but a simple human decision or a nod in the head that is adequate to bring the person into the McKingdom, where he hopes to live happily ever after. And of course, that all ends up in McHeaven, where there are no golden streets, but arches that appear over a broad entrance where the grill is scorching and the deep fry grease is super hot. In other words, hell. Because if that's what's going on, that ain't a real church. I told people this, man, do you realize where I don't care if you got 5,000 people, but only five of them are saved and you don't preach the truth are you trying to encourage people to go to hell? It's gotten so bad that it's now becoming illegal in churches to say that somebody's a sinner in need of a savior. You've heard child evangelism fellowship? Yeah, they go out and they share the gospel to kids, let them know that you're a sinner, but then they tell them about God's love and grace to get saved, right? Basic gospel message. They are now being persecuted and being told that they represent the wrong version of Christianity. They do not present, uh, represent the Jesus loves you mainstream Christianity. And they're really, quote, a hardcore evangelical fundamental sect. And these people in the church are going after this church ministry, sharing the basic truths of the gospel to kids. And the so-called pastor said, and I quote, I'm a seminary educated clergy member. And I see their tactics as being as a form of coercion similar to a cult. They're sharing the gospel. And this is from the so-called pastor. And I quote, parents who send their kids to these clubs that operate on fear should be prepared to see their children suffer from mental health issues. Really? In fact, on their Facebook page, they're going after Christian Evangelism Fellowship. They have this picture of this little girl. I am not a sinner. That's the first step in being saved. You what? I acknowledge that I have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But no, that might damage your self-esteem. Folks, it's getting so bad and we're not holding the line. And again, this word is on third point. You worship God with your religion, not a relationship. First, it's Larry. I make no bones about it. I just wonder about the morals. Then it's other people that are faking the church. They're behind the pulpit now. Larry's are spread all over the place. Now you don't even want to share the gospel because that might give somebody mental health problems, brain damage. But now, they see, the lost person likes to feel justified. The lost person likes religion. Why do you think, with all due respect, no, no, with all due respect, why do you think that Catholic churches always build these magnificent edifices. I'm like, where do you get the money? Yeah, that's another story. But it's got all the, you know, these cathedral halls, the sound's amazing. It's so bigger than life. And this guy stands way back there. Oh, and he's got all these trappings and the candles and the robes and the lights and the incense. And Don't you just feel religious? That's why they do it. Because it, feels religious. See, a lot of people like religion, including the Christian religion. But some say, you know what? Who cares even about the morals? Let's just keep the trappings. Let's just keep the, you know, the feel of religion, the Christian religion, the pulpit, the stained glass windows, you know, go through the format. But we'll just get rid of God. They're called atheist churches in the Bible belt. Watch this one. This is nuts. In today's Faces of Faith, we're talking about a new kind of church, a church without God. It's called Community, Community Mission Chapel. It looks and sounds like a place of worship, 
Oh, there's a weekly service, there's offerings, uplifting songs. Yeah, but here's the catch. It's missing one major detail. Its members don't believe in a higher power. This self-proclaimed atheist church is just one example of the growing presence of religiously unaffiliated, unaffiliated congregations popping up all over the world. And it's making some waves in the heart of the Bible Belt, yep. Lake Charles, Louisiana. So here with us to talk about it is the founder, Jerry DeWitt. He's a former evangelical preacher turned atheist and author of a new book, Hope After Faith, an ex-pastor's journey from belief to atheism. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Why don't you quickly give us your story? Because this happened, your, your, your conversion really happened just a few years ago. This is, this is about love, and this is about loving truth, and about loving human beings, and about how much I loved God for 25 years, but yet in my search was not able to find any true evidence or proof of His existence or intervention. You liar. In fact, even if you want to maintain that lie, you're in a heap of trouble. Romans chapter 1 says nobody's going to stand before God. And it says there without a rag of excuse. I didn't have enough proof. I just, I just didn't have enough. No. You have the light of creation, the light of conscience, and the direct claims of Jesus Christ. But wait a second. He was a pastor for how long? 25 years. I mean, surely he was a Christian. And, and unfortunately, he lost his salvation. No. How many times have we got to do this? He was a faker the whole time. He was in the church for 25 years, and the truth finally came out. First John 2, 9, they went out from us, including that guy, but they didn't belong to us. Well, how do we know? What's the acid test? Because if they had belonged to us, they would have what? Remain with us. But their going showed that how many? None of them belonged to us. Let me give you one more as we close the fourth sign, is they seek only God with their lips, right? Because apparently, it's so easy nowadays don't preach the word, don't give the gospel. Just say you're a Christian, you become one. No, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. And Paul warns about that to Titus. Titus 1, 15 through 16, everything's pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are defiled. And here's what these people do. They claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They're despicable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. So the Bible says that not everyone who claims to know God really knows God. In fact, if all you do apparently is give God lip service instead of life service, your so-called faith is worthless. Again, we're not saved by our works. But at some point in time, you got to see something different happening. Something. A new attitude towards sin or something. Instincts, right? But how many people do that say, ah, I'm a Christian. I'm American. I'm a Christian. Right? I don't have time to show it, but remember, remember that uh, in our prophecy studies, I showed you the um, George Bush Jr., Remember how he used to claim to be a born-again Christian? Be very careful with his words, and he was. His family's involved in skull and bones, the occult society. The word born again is also used as the occult, but he was very careful to say just born again, not born again in Jesus Christ. But remember I showed you on that tape after he got into the White House and duped a bunch of Christians? He said that Muslims and Christians worship the same God. We have different paths of getting there, but they're all going to get to heaven just like Steve Harvey. He was a faker. We got snookered. And you know what? What's sad? They profess to know Christ. They claim to know God. You know who's watching? The non-Christian. And it's not just detrimental to their soul because you're a faker the whole time. It's detrimental to the soul of others. One guy says this, the number one cause of atheism is professing Christians. He says, those who proclaim God with their mouths, but they deny him with their lifestyles are what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And these people are coming out of the closet admitting, yeah, I've been faked the whole time. I claim to know God, but I deny him now by the way I live. Starting with this guy. Remember this guy? John Steingard, the Canadian musician, singer, and songwriter, is known as the lead vocalist for the Christian pop-punk band Hawk Nelson. John became a part of Hawk Nelson in 2004 when he was only 20 years old and became the lead songwriter and vocalist in 2012. When he joined the band, the music wasn't overtly Christian, but over the years, they started to put their faith in their music more. John acknowledges that he was the loudest voice pushing for that shift, believing that it would lead the band into more success in the Christian music world. He penned hit songs like Drop in the Ocean that were about God's love. This week, he published a long, thoughtful post on social media, saying that his beliefs have changed 
and he can only reveal these personal details now that the band isn't playing shows or making new music. In his Instagram post, John writes, After growing up in a Christian home, being a pastor's kid, playing and singing in a Christian band, and having the word Christian in front of most things in my life, I'm finding that I no longer believe in God. Wow, that's right. I mean, it's obvious uh, John lost his salvation. He was a pastor's kid. I mean, after all. No, let's see it again. What's the Word of God say? 1 John 2, 19. If you're saved, you're saved. Praise God forevermore. Because our salvation is hinged on the work of Jesus Christ, not our own. But what's it say? They went out from us because what? They didn't really belong to us. If they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going to show that none of them belong to us. He was fake the whole time. He even sang the Christian music circuit, but he was fake the whole time. He was raised in a Christian home. He was fake the whole time. He was a pastor's kid. That doesn't save you anymore. Sitting in a hen house makes you a chicken. You got to be born again. And his true colors eventually came out when he went out and said, I'm an atheist. Oh, he's not the only one. I'm telling you, this is happening on a massive scale. Why? Because the church is flooded with these people today. Here's another one. This is a guy who used to write Christian theology books. Former Desiring God writer Paul Maxwell announces he's no longer a Christian, right? He's the author of the book, The Trauma of Doctrine. He's announced he's no longer a Christian, quote, I love you guys, and I love all the friendships and support I've built here, and I think it's important to say that I'm not a Christian anymore, and it feels good, and I'm really happy. There are a dime a dozen today. This guy, Joshua Harris, I don't know if you guys remember him, best-selling Christian book author, I mean, platformed all across America and the world. His big book that first came out was called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He was all over the place. And he now came out and he published on Instagram, quote, I am not a Christian. And as you can see, he, the guy that was writing on relationships and marriage, now divorcing his wife, splitting with his wife. Oh, he's not the only one. I'm telling you, it's all over the place. Former Hillsong singer, writer, uh, Marty Sampson posted on Instagram, quote, it's time for real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Are you starting to see why? It's not just that we're in the apostasy. Do you see why we're in the apostasy? What's happened, folks? We are no longer holding the biblical standard, and these people are now controlling the church. That's why it's so messed up. That's why being in the book of James is a really appropriate time. You wonder why God has us in this study. In fact, let me give you just one more example. This is from a Christian musician. He spills the beans on how much the Christian music industry is flooded with non-Christians. Watch this. His name is uh, Tim Lambesis. He's the uh, lead singer for the so-called Christian rock band called As I Lay Dying. But he was convicted of attempting to hire a hitman to murder his estranged wife. Then he begins to spill the beans. He admitted that his band duped fans into believing they were Christian just in order to sell music. And I quote, he says, truthfully, I was an atheist. I wasn't uh, actually the first guy in the band to stop being a Christian, which means you weren't one in the first place. He says, in fact, I was the third. The, the two who remained kind of stopped talking about it, and then I'm pretty sure they dropped it too. Then one sin, sin led to another, turning his renunciation of Christ into justification for his actions. He said, the first time I cheated on my wife, my interpretation of morality was now convenient for me. I felt less guilty. I decided, well, marriage isn't real because Christianity isn't real and God isn't real. Therefore, marriage is just a stupid piece of paper with the government. He continued to profess to be a Christian, as did the others in the band, quote, in order to sell records to Christian music fans. And watch this. He said, I remember one Christian festival where an interviewer wanted one of the guys in the band to share his testimony. We just froze up. We laughed hard about it afterwards because uh, it was so awkward. He said, when kids would want to pray with us after the shows, I'd be like, um, uh, you go ahead and pray. And then I would just let them pray and say, amen. He said, well, you know, praying while I had a hand on the shoulder made him feel better. I didn't want to take that away from him. And he closes. He said that during his tenure with the band, he realized that a number of bands that professed to be Christians were, quote, faking their faith just like he was. And listen to the number. He said, we toured with more Christian bands who were, aren't actually Christians than who actually were. In fact, in the 12 years of touring, I would say maybe one in 10 Christian bands were actually Christians. That's 90% fake. I'll say it again. You wonder why we're not just in the apostasy. Are you starting to see 
why we're in the apostasy. And it shows no signs of slowing down. In fact, who would have thought we'd live in the day in our lifetime that the church is flooded with fake believers, just like Judas, in our midst, no longer in the pews, but now filling the pulpits. The church, so-called church, forbidding Christians from sharing how people are in need of a savior, that they need to acknowledge that they've sinned, but now that's a mental crime. The so-called new and improved self-worship in the church that's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, which is the number one law of Satanism, and so-called Christian movies and Christian music that are actually being produced by atheists and new agers. Oh, by the way, check out the chosen. They're chumming up with the Mormons. Better do your research. And that is determining people's belief systems. That's our day. And on the one hand, we shouldn't have been shocked about it because the Bible says that's what you can expect in the future, which I believe is today. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3, but there were also what? False prophets among the people, just as there will be in the future, false teachers among you. And here's what these guys are going to do. It's not just that you've got to deal with it. They're there to destroy the church. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many, how many? He's talking to the church. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Again, just like Judas, you're right there in the midst, but you ain't fooling God. He knew from the beginning who was real and who was not. But wait a second. How could these guys worm their way into the church and get so comfortable that they're now dictating the teachings of the church with destructive heresies that's destroying the church? It's because we're not holding the biblical standard. And we're not reading the word that tells us how to spot these phony Christians, which is what the book of James is all about. And Lord willing, we'll get to next week. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven 
on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty, And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy... The person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.